I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Welcome to My Vagina. I'm Jesse Karen. I'm Rebecca Frank. Here we are again having our current historical, hysterical, infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina-having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Just kidding. It's definitely researched. So much mm. Mm. chips. Yeah. They're so yeah. crunchy. They're so loud. I wish it, it was more of a lady, like, less loud, less, you know, horrible sound for women. Less with less delicious chip flavoring that you could lick off your yeah. fingers. I hate flavor. Why don't we just I'm come up lady. with something for ladies? You know what, Rebecca? What's that? They did. Stop. Mm. And it was brought up by a woman, which is no so way. great. It wasn't a man. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> but no, everyone keeps pointing out. No, no. It was a lady. It was a lady. So therefore cannot possibly be the patriarchy. Right. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Apparently, PepsiCo's CEO has announced a turning point in history of snack foods. She says a lot of young guys eat chips and they lick their fingers with great glee. While women, on the other hand, don't. You know what's funny? I wonder how she knows that I don't do that. Yeah, I mean, she, we're eating chips right now, and I've seen you lick your fingers. Yeah, at least once. Because it's the best part. Actually, that's not true. I, I know. A liar I just, I just made that. Because I wait until the end when there's like a layer. It's just so crazy <laughs> to me that you can be that strong. <laughs> I know what awaits for me at the end. I know. I just like lick as I go. I don't have much self control, but when it comes to eating Cool Ranch Doritos. You yeah. know, we've also put a lot of money into Doritos and we're about to talk shit on them. <laughs> I know, right? We've had to buy like a bunch of bags of Doritos for this. <laughs> I don't regret a single second of it, though. I don't either. But the other thing that they say, too, is that women don't like to to like drink the end with the like the chip bits at the bottom. Which is and the I, best part. I call bullshit. Like, hell yeah. Yeah. It's like I turn the bag inside out and I lick it. Yeah. Stop trying to take our pleasure And then I wipe us. my vagina with it just to make sure there's no like extra, you know. And then the next time a guy goes down on you, he's like, wow, cooler ranch. Exactly. Cooler. Cooler yeah. ranch. See? <laughs> cooler than the cool ranch. Yeah. And also like I know they keep saying that women want bags to put in their purses, but like don't we already have snack pack size? Excuse me, madam. May I say how dare you? 
Forget equal pay. This is the justice we've been waiting for. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. I'll take my 79 cents to the dollar as long as I can get more ladylike chips. <laughs> this is progress. Oh, my God. We're winning the fight. We're winning the good fight. Uh, just a couple of notes before we start. Today, we're going to be talking about guns and domestic violence. So first, although the statistics we're using here relate to violence by men against women, domestic violence against men is also a very real issue and one that does not get talked about often enough. Our society is largely incapable of understanding the victimization of men by women since it doesn't play into our accepted understanding of masculinity and femininity, and that is something that needs to change. And secondly, our heteronormative law enforcement agencies and judicial system largely do not understand how to acknowledge and deal with violence in same-sex and queer relationships, and that is also incredibly problematic. So just know that although the statistics we are using relate to females in heterosexual relationships, the ideas, trends, and theories include victims of all genders and sexual orientation. I'm the sheriff in Racine County, Wisconsin. I am a conservative Republican. Any cop will tell you that domestic violence calls are the most dangerous calls that law enforcement officers will respond to. The last thing that the victim needs and the last thing that my deputies need is a dangerous abuser armed with illegal weapons. So we decided to talk about this this week given everything that happened in Florida and the aftermath of that with all these kids being active and um, the school walkout coming up. Well, the school walkout it happened. just happened, and then the march ha- coming up in a couple of weeks. March is on the 24th, and there'll be another uh, walkout on the, twen- the uh, 20th April 20th? Yeah. yeah, the when the 10-year anniversary of Columbine. Columbine. Um, and part of the reason we wanted to talk about this is because it's – One of the things that we think is missing from the conversation in the aftermath when we go through that kind of normal rigmarole of thoughts and prayers by the GOP and Democrats asking for gun control and then the GOP talking about how we shouldn't politicize, people need time to grieve and all of that shit. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and (laughs) prayers. So many thoughts and prayers. Is that we always end up landing on essentially the same thing, which is that we have a problem with how we raise our boys, but more than that, we have a kind of undiscussed mental health issue and that this is all being done by crazy people. And it's a problem because we kind of need to decouple this idea of of mental health and gun violence because most people with mental health problems are nonviolent. And um, also most mass murderers aren't mentally ill. Exactly. According to the New York Times, it's only 22%. And so I feel like we keep finding scapegoats uh, mm-hmm. for these issues when that's not the case. Right. We want to keep looking at it and say this is an outlier And blame the victims by Mm. saying, you know, you didn't bring to people's attention this issue and all that other stuff. But one of the things that keeps being missed in this entire conversation is that a bunch of these people have histories of domestic violence. 57%. 57%. Of the cases counted a spouse, former spouse, or other family members of the shooter among the victims. That's, That's the thing, is that... Is that in so in fifty seven percent of these mass shootings, one of the victims is a, a spouse, former spouse, partner, yeah. or family member? That's significant. That's more than half. Eighteen percent of the mass shootings, the perpetrator had been mm. previously charged with domestic violence, but he's been previously charged. That doesn't mean that there weren't complaints about him beforehand, before or that there weren't conversations. And so once again, it seems like A leads to B, and their solutions are not as complicated as we're making it out to be. Statistically, we can say this is actually a red flag. Someone with a history of domestic violence mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they're all going to go on to be mass shooters, but it, but it, there is something, they do have that in common, yeah, but, some I percentage mean, if, of them. Just if you look at our history, a majority of those people have a history of domestic violence with their spouse. 
Uh, James Hodgkinson punched a woman in the face and dragged his daughter on the ground. Omar Mateen's wife said he regularly beat her. Robert Lewis, two of his exes accused him of abuse. And in 1992, he was accused of sexual violence and rape. And still they were allowed to buy a gun and walk right. into a public space and kill people. Like, And the how, the idea that they can still get their hands on a gun is mind-blowing to me. Right. That's that's the thing, is that is that when we talk about common sense gun control measures, one of the things that both sides seem to be able to agree on is that we should have, you know, uh, there should be like a mental health guideline. But taking mental, mental health- illness aside, some of these people are just violent, have violent right. behavior and past violent behavior. Right. But what I'm saying is that like, is that that's where we always go. And that is, it's always seen as kind of like an easy thing that nobody can argue with. But like, why is it that we can't look at domestic violence and we can't say this guy has a history of domestic violence? Because, you know, as we're as we were looking through all of this information, we found uh, that lecture at the University College of London, Paul Gill, who studies lone actor terrorists. And I had to have a note that if this was my job, I would drink so much all the time, because (laughs) seriously. Um, But he says that that violence is a learned psychological tool. And so he said uh, and I quote, having a history of violence might help neutralize the natural barriers to committing violence, end quote. So if we look at people who were able to commit violence against someone that they loved and they were able to overcome that barrier that most of us have to Mm. not hurt the people that we care about, what does that say for the people that they don't know? Right. You know, like that barrier is probably is is going to be lower for those people. Yeah. I mean, if you if you're desensitized from beating somebody that you supposedly love then yeah what what difference does it make to walk into a school if a kid acts irresponsibly you take their toy away yeah if they act responsibly you get to keep the toy yeah. it's a very simple process so simple this sort of violent tendency is geared towards women like there is that kind of like misogynist angry undertone right well they, they i mean these abusers have a tendency to believe that uh, in a woman's traditional place in the household mm-hmm. and any kind of uprising or speaking out or challenging of them is kind of a, a blow to their ego, yeah, which can make somebody dangerous that believes such a thing and can get violent and abusive that have a gun. It just makes sense to me that the chances of there being a gun in a house with an abusive or violent person that somebody will wind up getting shot. Yeah, and it, I don't think that it's a coincidence that as women gain more rights, the certain men, as you were saying, those specific men who are so threatened by that, because there's always going to be traditional dudes. Like, and that's is not... There, to, I, I, th- <laughs> I think that there will, and it doesn't there have to be. I mean, there shouldn't, but, like, it doesn't mean that they're all violent, but, like, right. you know, it. some of them are. And so, right. like, as women get more they're going to be angrier and they're going to try and women. reinforce and regain regain their authority exactly so it's like and this unfortunately sometimes for the use of violence right and so like these sorts of like misogynist sexist things that happen are indicators of of a type of violence that might happen mm-hmm. and they should be part of the conversation when someone's going to buy a gun mm-hmm. because like if it's 18 percent of of these people had a charge that's 18 and they if if like we actually didn't have these fucking gun hole loop sh- loopholes gun hole gun show loopholes gun hole loopholes gun hole show loopholes <laughs> um and like online buying loopholes and stuff like that 18% of those people wouldn't that 18% wouldn't have gotten a gun mm-hmm. in the first place and so that's 18% solved right there i mean that's, that's solved solved by us done we also found that and this like really <laughs> 
Yeah, right. That wasn't there. me. Are you sure? Yeah. Jeffy farted. No. <laughs> Kidding. Um, it's the chair's leather. <laughs> Shame. Um, uh, so anyway, we learned that a bunch of experts, when they talk about domestic violence, they call it intimate terrorism. <laughs> and that... I think is it like it says so much Ugh. like it says so much because we're talking about Ugh. we're talking about terrorism. We just don't call it terrorism because it's white dudes that keep shooting up places. Mass shooters come in all white male shapes and all white male sizes. They sure do. Thank you, Samantha B. Again, we've talked about this before, but, you know, it's one of those issues where it's like, why don't you leave? And I feel like it's really important to understand um, how manipulating and like how entrapping it can be. Because it's not just easy to just like leave uh, an abusive situation. There's control over finances and clothes and social interactions with friends. And sometimes, a lot of times, they separate you from your family members and loved ones. And there's like an embarrassment to kind of having that conversation because you don't want to admit it to yourself and to other people because right. obviously your loved ones are going to say you have to leave. And I think there is, there becomes this tolerance um, that you feel less entitled to safety. Because they start to think like if I approach if I approach him differently he won't do it next time if I do this he won't do it next time and you know there have been cases for instance with uh, Beverly Gooden which is the hashtag why I stayed movement after Janae Palmer after the Janae Palmer debacle and like her her husband actually like just laid down in front of her door right to like not let her leave right because I mean I don't understand how people think that this happens it's not just like you go to bed one night with this giving wonderful husband right. and you wake up the next morning and there's a monster next to you. Right. It's a slow, it's a slow process of taking little by little. And, and it's it, also unpredictable when they lose their shit. Right. And so it, you know, when you think about like the effect that this has on somebody's self-esteem, for example, and that they have access to help right. safety and safety. And it can be dangerous just to leave an abuser. Over right. 70% of domestic violence murders happen after the victim has left the relationship. And Obviously, what we're talking about right now is that there's really not a lot of things put into place that protect you once you leave. Right. Right. So, I mean, we have a, cert a certain number of things, you know, that, you know, you could be able to get a restraining order. But I know personally that restraining orders help you when somebody comes within a certain amount of space of you. And right. And by that point, it's too late. Yeah. So like I a guy with a gun charge that I wanted to get a restraining order against. And it seemed to me it seemed to me like less safe to have that restraining order than not because he's going to know about it. He's right. Gonna be and that's going to piss him it. off more. Exactly. And so what? This guy comes to me and all of a sudden he has a gun and I'm going to call the cop. Just wait a second before you shoot me. Right. Because I'm going to call and wait for the cops to get here. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Let me hit this beehive with a bat. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to. It's not like you get a restraining order and all of a sudden you have some sort of like, you know, unenterable veil of safety around you. Mm -hmm. And like anything that happens to you just gets like like rubber and glue, you know. Domestic abusers are permitted from buying a firearm if they've ever been married to the victim, lived together or had a child. But the boyfriend loophole is if you have a dangerous ex, boyfriend, or a dating partner, there's really nothing stopping them. In, and also a stalker. Yeah, it um, ignores all of that. It does. It goes back like 20 years when Congress made some half-hearted effort to keep guns out of domestic abusers' hands. Basically, obviously, they worried that innocent men's guns rights would be impeded. Right. It's and very so, sad. And we're also, you know, <laughs> it's, you also think about it, and, and you think about the way that, that the state 
kind of determines or sets up a system of value of what relationships are worth protection and what relationships are not. Right, which leaves a quarter of domestic victims' violence completely vulnerable. Right, and so, and it's saying, like, if you enter into this state-sanctioned arrangement, you're more deserving of protection than somebody who doesn't do that. And so, But even then, right, even then, they can plead to a lesser misdemeanor. Yeah. Which essentially doesn't really protect them anyway. And also, I think in a lot of states, you're allowed to keep your guns. Yeah, a lot of times. If you already you, own them. Yeah, if you get charged in some states, it, you don't actually have to hand over your firearms. And it does nothing to stop them from skipping a background check with uh, gun shows and private sellers. Right. And we have all this information telling us that a woman is three times more likely to be killed if there's a gun in the home. There has to be a reasonable middle ground Mm -hmm. here. We have to be able to get somewhere that we can have an intersection of people having guns and the general population feeling safe, going to school, for example. And what's so, what to me is, is just like another level of crazy is that we for so long had, and still do, so I don't know why I'm speaking of it in the past tense, but this kind of like, understanding that when we talk about like rape and sexual assault that what we're protecting ourselves from is like the stranger danger the guy behind the bush that might jump out or from from under a car from in a Mm -hmm. parking lot that's the guy that we're taught to be afraid of but the majority of rapes and sexual assaults happen at the hands of a boyfriend a friend a husband a, a friend's friend a stalker any of that and that's not the common knowledge and so the nra is using that exact same tact and saying Women Which is so need unfair because they know what they're doing. Absolutely. Women need to protect because they're now marketing guns more strongly, more heavily to women because they see women as a yeah, growth market. Nice and a lash. Right? And and so like they're they're basically saying women need to protect themselves from the masked intruder. And listen, like I spent the last two days reading Michelle McNamara's book about the East Area Rapist, and he indeed did come into the house and attack people, but like if they you all can't had, talk about one-offs though like one-offs that's what i'm happen. saying and like and they wouldn't have been able to do anything about it right you know like yeah I nobody's mean, like walking around with their gun and that's kind of the the point too is like if there's a gun in the house you're more likely to get shot that right. just makes sense if there is not a gun in the house then when if your partner is abusive and he gets violent and unpredictable he can't run and grab the gun right and so and so this whole thing about about women need to be afraid of the guy that they don't know is is exactly the same wrong logic that has been used for so long. It's intimate. And it's statistics intim- show exactly. that. States that require a background check see 46% fewer women shot by their partners. So even if you don't give a shit about domestic violence, you're a heartless dick, but if you take guns away from abusers, you might even be able to save a non-female life. Yeah, <laughs> which is all that you care about, clearly. Just control some of the weapons. We're not saying we'll take it away. Background checks background are just checks. logical and rational. Yeah, and if in your background check you find out that this dude punched his girlfriend, well, there you go. This dude should not have a gun. If you want to go on WAG you to walk dogs, check. yeah, to do basically everything. So you can have a background check to walk a poodle, but you can't have a background check to get an AR-15. That's cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool, and cool, here's cool. what's here's one thing that's so crazy about it because we've talked about this a little a little bit before that it's so crazy because we have the GOP telling us that women should have to wait a day between going to a sonogram and having an abortion. If not more, we have to but wait like, 24 hours, watch a video. Yeah. I mean, how is it unreasonable to to because there have been cases about men buying guns and immediately going and killing their wives like within 
or ex-wives. Within five hours, there was a case at a nail salon out west somewhere where this guy bought a gun through some sort of some website, picked it up in a McDonald's parking lot, and then went and shot his ex-wife and like three of her coworkers, like within a 12-hour span. And it's like if he had been forced to wait, if he had gotten a background check and they knew that he was dangerous already and there was this forced waiting period, there could have been some sort of police intervention and those people all could have been saved. It's so simple. And the NRA asked for this in the 20s. And why not now? When I was talking to our friend Carrie, see if <laughs> I can find, she, and I was asking her this question, I was like, you know, why do you think it is, she's like super smart, um, why do you think it is that, that domestic violence isn't talked about? Why, why, do, why isn't it the thing when we talk about mass shootings or, or gun violence in general? Why don't we go to domestic violence? And she said, I think that because harms to women happen in the home, it is the private sphere. And because the government is built and run by men and they don't want the government in the private sphere, mostly that women's lives fall into this blind spot that the patriarchy does not have the expertise or desire to address. Yeah. And like that's what it comes down to, I yeah. think, is that we have this understanding of public versus private that disempowers women and that in a way it was created in an effort to do that, to right. continue the status quo of the gender hierarchy and to say and silencing that... Silencing women. Exactly. Because even outside of the private sphere, we still don't believe women in public. I mean, right. for instance, the women who do go to police. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I had a black eye a few years ago and I went to, and it was an assault, mm -hmm. um, but it was not a domestic violence situation. But it was in public. But it was in public. But I went to the airport. I was flying out to visit, um, to go on a road trip with Carrie, actually. Um, and uh, and I was at the airport, and I had, I'd had my sunglasses on because I was feeling a certain, I just didn't want people to stare at me, and I'm sure that I was feeling like a certain level of shame about the fact that I had this black eye, and I knew what had happened, and all this other stuff. But I also had this conflicting thing of feeling rude wearing my sunglasses inside, so I put my sunglasses up, and I saw this guy who worked for the airlines who was one of those people who stands out on the tarmac and kind of directs planes mm -hmm. and he stared at me and he pointed to his own left eye and was like are you, and mouthed are you okay and I was you know I was like yeah and I just like went back to what I was doing because I was like it's none of his fucking business but whatever so as I'm boarding the plane he looks at me and he says so what you ran into a door oh my god and I just looked at him and I was like, mm. you can go fuck yourself and got onto the plane. And I'm mad at myself that I didn't write to the airline or to the airport to complain about that. But but like that's I mean, that's a level of shame. Like he basically was like, I know your boyfriend beats you, which was not the case. But that's not but fair. I he also, has no idea exactly. what your life is like or yeah. what that means to you. And that then is he's going so to make fun of the way that women are characterized or like the way that women try and keep their private life their private life by coming up with a story about what happened and right. he basically was just making light of this thing that had happened when he knew nothing mm -hmm. it was insane in, in torrington um there was a woman who uh alleged the police department and had failed to provide her equal protection because of her status as a woman married to her abuser discounting her complaints because they were domestic um and something I don't seem to like be able to get through to certain people is that even if you are a woman and you do show up, are you actually listening to her? Mm -hmm. Because what she said is, I have to defend defending myself and justify why it is okay as me, as a woman, for me to put my hands on him, she said. And the judge told me that it is not self-defense if you physically find a way out. 
whether it's locking yourself in the bathroom or running out of the door. So it's so insane. This woman tried to defend herself from somebody who was already abusing her. And so what her case was basically null and void because she could find a way out of the abusive situation. Yeah, which is And so what if she couldn't? So so basically he can't be prosecuted unless what? Unless she dies? Yeah, unless next time. Or unless she he puts her in the hospital. Exactly. So if she can find a way out or if she puts her hands on him, then it's not considered. And what threat is she to him? Right. And I mean, that's another thing that because we were learning that a lot of times in they have a really big problem with it in Connecticut where they will the police will respond to a domestic violence call and they arrest both of the partners. And, you know, the woman might be defending herself. She might know how a situation has escalated in the past and hit somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, to try and protect herself. And it's like you I know that these issues aren't super black and white and it's not always clear cut exactly what happened but i think like statistically speaking five percent of domestic violence charges or domestic violence situations and granted there will be under reporting because of like gender norms and stuff but five percent of them involve men mm-hmm. so 95 percent of the time the woman is the victim and yeah. so you can go into a situation and assume that probably the woman is being victimized even if they're both bloodied and 95 percent of the time you're going to be right mm-hmm. So why do we always default to believing the men first and to creating all of these loopholes and these outs for them to not have their reputation sullied? Yeah, what is it exactly about men that we trust? Because (laughs) evidence suggests the contrary. I know, it's like... I don't really understand. Everything that we learn and everything that we experience tells us that, that women are usually telling the truth. You know, because the whole system is is not set up to support us. And so it just takes 10 women to tell the same story that it exactly. takes one man to tell. It's crazy. I mean, you look at Rob Actually, Porter. Actually, 100 to 1 probably yeah, depending, likely. Depending on the career of the man and right. how, like, important he's deemed or how upstanding he seems. How but he was a good guy. Yeah. Until he killed his wife. Right. Exactly. I mean, you look at Rob Porter from the government. I mean, he had two – his two ex-wives were out there writing very like they've been very vocal about their experiences with him and it didn't matter right he was still in the and white then you house give him a slap on the r- wrist and they go about their business and he does a good job so why does it matter that he mm-hmm. abused his wives it's like it's like this whole thing like oh well he did all these things right but then you know like there's that you know on the side and see think about it and i just want to be like you guys there he might be great at his job. He might have all of these things. But I bet you, we have a really lot of people in the world. I bet you that there are people who can do that job just as well and are great at all of those things and don't also beat their wives. Yeah. Right? You know, like those people are out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, like with a those woman. People. Right, exactly. An abusive husband and a gun is a deadly combination. It's like matches and gasoline or men and gasoline or men and everything else. Did you know lightning round? Sounds like you're saying butt fuck. (laughs) Okay, did you know, and this is a two-part, did you know Mm -hmm. that I entirely unrelated to vaginas, maybe you don't know this, but I like love ants. (laughs) Oh, yeah? I'm utterly fascinated by ants. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you, Rebecca. (laughs) You're the best. Ask and you Thanks. shall receive. <laughs> Did you know they stretch in the morning? I didn't know that. <laughs> Before they sleep, they often make themselves comfortable by scooping smooth hollows in the soil. 
And then they wake up and they stretch their six legs and their mandible. How cute is that? I'm now imagining that Brooklyn's going to have this new wave of like ant yoga. <laughs> and, and Downward ant. Yeah, exactly. Did you know that I one time had an ant farm? And that they actually, they changed the structure. I can't structure. even pretend to not know that. I know. <laughs> I can't unknow that. I know. It makes me really sad, but I'm going to tell you about it again okay. anyway. So they used to have, it would sand, and now they made this new thing. I was talking to my friend Mike about it, and we got super excited about this ant farm that has, like, gel, and the gel is their food. And they, like, dig around in there, and the first, like, two days, it was really cool because they, I just was watching them all the time, and they were building all of these tunnels, and it was so neat. And then all of a sudden, I was like, Fuck they're like stuck in there no. and then it's like then i realized that i basically created like bought a death camp for ants oh my god you know Ugh. and it made me really sad what i should have done was broken them free <laughs> but instead i just got really uncomfortable just and watched them die I did. <laughs> and then like i felt really bad about it and i didn't like know how to dispose of it because i was like i just feel like the worst human of the worst yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I just like, I just, well, like, I did not know that you were an ant killer, Rebecca. I'm an ant killer. It's true. Mass amounts of ants. I know. It's it terrible. Like at least fifty ants. <laughs> what? God. I feel like there were fifty ants. Stop! You're making it worse. I know. I'm sorry. Hey, Jesse. Mm. Did you know that a dingo actually did eat her baby? <laughs> so sad. I know. It's really hard because, like. You know, the poor woman wasn't believed all of this time. Right. But, like, <laughs> I read an article in 2012, and, and I was like, because the whole, my whole, my whole youth, I was like, this, youth? my youth, this lady kept saying that the dingo ate her baby, and, like, in Nobody two, believed her, and, and then it they, became a, such a joke. Yeah, they had it on The Simpsons. And she lost her baby. Yeah, and a dingo did eat it. And, and if we you, just didn't believe her. Yeah, and if you look at the, at the Wikipedia page, and this is my favorite part, there's, like, a little suspect area. And it'll say Linda, and I think the husband's name was Charles Chamberlain. They're the suspects, but the number one suspect just says dingo. a dingo. <laughs> it's like it's just so fantastic. The dingo did eat her baby. The dingo ate her baby. R.I.P. So baby. Sad. When male honeybees mate, their penises explode and they die. Their penises explode during the queen's nuptial flight. During the queen's nuptial flight, she'll mate with about a dozen partners and leave a trail of dead, penisless corpses in her wake. You go, girl. Right? I was about to say, like, I have, like, stars in my eyes. I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. New hero. Right? Queen bee. Beyonce, move I, over. Well, Every queen bee thinking, in the world. Like, now everyone calls her queen bee. Like, yeah. Oh shit! Does Is she Jay leaving Z? a trail? Does Jay Z still have a penis? He might not. He might have. It might have exploded. Might have exploded. They only have. Oh no, they have more than one kid. Maybe. Maybe it's different for humans. Yeah. Maybe or, this is the time that it happened. Yeah. He or no maybe longer. it's like when a bee stings somebody and like most of the time it rips out of their butt, but not all the time. But not always. Yeah. Yeah. Like she was like, I might want to have another, so don't explode yet. Yeah. And she, so we know that she's in charge. So. Jay Z, do you have a penis still? <laughs> Kindly email us at welcome to my vagina <laughs> at gmail.com and let us know. Thank you for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> totally gross me <laughs> This is an ongoing conversation and we would love to hear your thoughts, questions, and concerns. You can email us on welcometomyvagina.com or DM us on our Instagram, which is the same title. Maybe we'll discuss it on our next episode. Please also subscribe to my page on YouTube. Yeah.
We would like to thank our fantastic producer, Caitlin Moldenhauer of More Banana Productions for producing us, hosting us, and for helping us reach our goals. Please check out FranklyRebecca.com where Rebecca slays you, politically smacks you, and reminds any misogynist to sit down and shut up because she's smarter than you. And that's a fact that I support. And speaking of support, if you want to support us, you can do just that. Go to Patreon and type in WTMV Podcast and you can become one of our sponsors. Thank you so much for listening. We're stoked to prick your ears in two weeks. Bye. Rebecca, say bye. Bye. See you next Tuesday. Please check our episode notes for local and national hotlines in regards to domestic abuse.